0: To Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now present an encore presentation of Carmelite Conversations.
1: Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. Thank you for joining us today. Um I have uh, with me, obviously, each week I do in the studio, Francis Harry. Francis, how are you?
0: I'm blessed and so glad to be here with you, Mark.
1: You know, it's um, an interesting topic that we're going to discuss today in our conversation. One that you and I agreed a few weeks ago, I think, when you did a program on. Uh, books, what we called the essentials, if you will, the books that um, every Carmelite should at least be familiar with. We didn't advocate yeah, the that
0: basic, they, the basic books. Yeah, yeah goes, the basics. It goes on and on the list.
1: Uh, we could continue, and we'll do other programs on it. Probably revisit some of the same titles, but we both discovered. Um, that there was a bit of a gap in some of the Carmelite literature, and that had to do with our Blessed Mother, which yes. I found very interesting, Francis recognizing yes. our devotion to the Blessed Mother.
0: Yes, I did too, and I, I was kind of surprised. I'm, I see that there are articles on Our Lady of Mount Carmel and, of course, references by our saints to Our Lady, but as far as somebody who put all of this together... And you know, drew from it from a Carmelite perspective in particular. Uh, I really don't know of it uh, of of a book that's out there. So if if our listeners know of one, um, please introduce Mark and I to it. And meanwhile, I I throw down the gauntlet and challenge our Carmelite authors and publishers to um, fill in the gap with um with a book on our Blessed Mother from a Carmelite perspective.
1: But before we begin that, Francis, let's begin with prayer.
0: Well, and since this uh, program is entitled Mary, the Mother of Our Interior Life, and we're going to lay some of the groundwork tonight um, and build on that, um, I found this prayer from a sermon by a theologian who I believe is also a cardinal, Cardinal Boussouet. And um, I'd like to begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Intercede for us, O blessed Virgin Mary. You have in your hands the key that opens the treasury of the divine blessings. That key is your son. He closes and no one can open. He opens and no one can close. It is his innocent blood which makes us to be inundated with heavenly graces. And to whom will he give the right to that blood, if not to her, from whom he drew all his blood? Mary, you live in such perfect union of love with him, that it is impossible that your prayer should not be heard. O Mary, our mother, pray for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: Well, thank you, Francis. Uh, We do think it interesting that uh, our great Carmelite saints and our uh, today great Carmelite authors, of which there are many, um, uh, have not... uh, uh, seem to have written as much about the Blessed Mother as we might have thought, and yeah, so
0: there are individual chapters, but <laughs> yeah. not not a whole book that brings it all together from all of those great saints of our tradition. And uh, of course, we know she is the mother of our order, and um, our our Lady, our Queen, our Beauty, and so. Um, I very much would like to to learn more here
1: <laughs> well, and uh, thankfully, as you pointed out, Francis, before we came on uh, today the um, uh, the Christian um, community of authors certainly has blessed us with a lot of very fine literature we 're going to work with some of that here uh, today as well as um, in what we anticipate might be a future program, but this particular uh, conversation, we want to focus on Mary's earthly role, the the uh, response that she gave to um, our Father, to the Holy Spirit, in the things that she was asked. Uh, to participate in as part of christ's redemptive work so we're going to focus largely on her earthly role and then in a future uh, program we'd like to talk a little bit more about a mother uh, blessed mother in her heavenly role and how she works with us in assisting us on this journey uh spiritual journey to our father
0: and this is great timing for this discussion because this Thursday on um, August 15th is the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Mother. And then later this month on August 22nd is the Queenship of Mary. So two great, wonderful Marian feast days for us to remember and to help ponder um, the role that Mary plays in our life and in our interior growth.
1: Well, I want to caution, we are going to discuss a little bit of the theology behind this work, Francis. I think we agree that's important uh, to understand uh, where this um, perspective, if you will, is coming from. But we also want to encourage our listeners to deepen their relationship with Mary, and even, uh, I would suggest, to begin perhaps a consecration uh, to the Immaculate Heart. Um, But we begin where we oftentimes begin when we talk about Mary, uh, in Carmel. And that is that she kept all these things in her heart. Yes. Right? From the very beginning, our Blessed Mother, it is it is known purifies everything that happens in her life. She gauges everything that happens. She gauges everything that is asked of her through the fire of love, which, of course, resides in her heart. And so Mary kept all these things in her heart. And she is so skilled in helping us understand how to do that. That's her great gift. That's her great blessing to us, is that Mary teaches us how to dwell in our hearts. She teaches us how to remain um, in that center where the fire is, where the fire of love is. Her whole life is a model of this. We're going to talk about this. Um, she, of course, is an instrument that God chose, and she modeled uh, the very life that we are asked to live in Carmel. What do I mean by that? Uh, Francis, of course, we know that we can look to the very events of Mary's life right. and see through them how she responded uh, how grace worked in her life and therefore how we might respond when similar uh, events occur in our own life. In addition to knowing that we can draw uh, on the strength and, and the guidance and most especially the grace that she provides us. We're going to talk a little bit later about uh, some of the sources of that. Of course, the sacraments, the rosary, the obvious ones, but but in perhaps more detail. But first, I think we want to get to this book. So let me, let me ask you, Francis, if you would introduce the book that we're working from.
0: Well, it's a two-part book. Um, and the most recent title is The Mother of the Savior and Our Interior Life. So, Susan, you told me this title. I was like, Oh, I want to read this. (laughs) Um, by, it's by Father Reginald Garrigou Lagrange. Um,
1: a Dominican. Dominican, yeah, yeah. thank
0: you, O.P. Uh, so. uh,
1: arguably, I should just say this, arguably, and I know you know this, one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century, and it's a little known fact, but uh, known by us, he was actually an instructor of John Paul II. Uh, when John Paul II went for uh, one of his two uh, doctoral degrees in theology his instructor and guide was uh, uh, father lagrange so um, it's um, a, a, an interesting i think lineage uh, to us here in carmel of course john paul who wore the scapula and was a, um, a third order carmelite himself um, got most of his appreciation for the blessed mother uh, through his theological studies
0: well, part one of this book is called The Divine Maternity and the Plenitude of Grace. And part two, which is where we want to start, because we want to get to the interior part, right. <laughs> uh, is Mary, Mother of All Men, Her Universal Mediation in Our Interior Life. Yeah,
1: I'm going to ask you to read that again, because it's important for our listeners who may look for this. And you can find this publication through TAN, T-A-N, TAN Publications, and um, I don't know if originally this may have been released as two separate works, but today it is a single work. The titles, though, stand of their uh, own merit. The first one, I will say, the first work is much more theological in terms of an understanding of Mariology and and her role uh, in uh, Christ's redemptive work from a theological perspective. Uh, Father Lagrange then gets into a more um, uh, sort of personal theology, how we individually um, um, uh, are supported by Mary and how we can engage her in assisting us in the spiritual journey. But the second part is is the more important part. And I'm going to ask you, Francis, if you wouldn't mind uh, just reading that again.
0: All right. So the. the the book in whole is called The Mother of the Savior and Our Interior Life. And it has two parts in it. Part one, which may have been a book by itself, um, is called The Divine Maternity and the Plenitude of Grace. And then the second part, which is where we want to begin um, for our discussion, Mary, Mother of All Men, Her Universal Mediation and Our Interior Life.
1: Yeah. Now, this work, I'm going to uh, uh, caution our listeners. It relies very heavily on the development of doctrine uh, of Mary uh, through history, through the tradition, relying very much on the Church Fathers. Father Lagrange is very good at citing references with regard to uh, his exhaustive study of the Church Fathers. Father Lagrange, again, one of the the, the finest theologians of the 20th century. Um, this is one of his principal works, but really his. His uh, premier work is The Three Stages of the Interior Life. That's the one he's most noted for. Yeah, that's very good. (laughs) Uh, And a great uh, text, by the way, for anybody, uh, fairly uh, lengthy, but nonetheless exhaustive text of of the interior life. So we're talking about somebody, uh, the author, who knows well uh, the process of the interior life and is a great guide and teacher. But here we're focusing specifically on Mary. So what we want to talk about are the roles that mary plays in this regard what what father lagrange says are the three principal roles that mary plays in the work of redemption now i I specified in my um, uh, notation on this francis that we don't use the work or the word salvation but more redemption Uh, salvation sometimes suggests uh you know a single event an occurrence a, a, a switching over, if you will, that something happens and then salvation occurs. Mm-hmm. Redemption, of course, is a process. It's a continual process that we engage in, and Mary's life is representative of that process. And as I said before, we want to try to model ourselves uh, on the very life that Mary presents to us, a history presents to us about her. But this uh, idea of redemption, I think, is important. Well, right, so
0: that leads us to the three titles mm-hmm. um, that we want to approach tonight. And that is Mother of the Redeemer, Mother of all men, and Mediatrix. So maybe you could uh, give us a little bit
1: yeah, more. I, I would actually link the first two, um, uh, Mother of the Redeemer and Mother of all men, and then the Mediator or Mediatrix. And then, of course, um, we have to remember that she is a Queen of the Universe. Yes. So she's associated with who is obviously the King, uh, Jesus, uh, but she's the Queen of the Universe. So... Uh, mother of all men um, and and mediatrics, of course this term mediatrics has gotten a lot of uh, scrutiny, if you will uh, over the years, it's not new by any means uh, but more recently and then queen of the universe and we want to talk about that in um, the context of Mary's redemptive work now we know uh, first of all, beginning with her consent, Mary became the mother of our Savior by her willingness to become as she says the handmaid of the lord now it's important as francis and i always try to do uh, that we link these discussions and again as i caution this is a perhaps somewhat more theological discussion but it's important that we link these to practical means of our incorporating these into our daily life into our spiritual journey into our prayer life and uh, the most immediate way to do that of course is with the rosary um uh, I think uh, it's clear to everybody who's listening that uh, the rosary must play a central role in our prayer life, in our um, uh, relationship with our Blessed Mother, and in helping us to develop... Uh, our own spiritual journey by recognizing what our lord and savior jesus christ what our blessed mother what uh, saint joseph um, and other uh, participants in those mysteries uh, actually experienced and in this case the mystery of the rose that we want to call on is the annunciation
0: yes yes it's when she gave her fiat but you know s- s- some people think that you know when she became mother was when she gave birth but but here we're saying even at the moment she said her Fiat she conceived him spiritually and then came the corporal right. sense of 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 the incarnation of the her incarnation, motherhood. Of yeah. motherhood and so i i thought that was rather interesting because that kind of uh, helps you remember the you know the there are spiritual acts re- spiritual realities that play out in advance of what we see, uh, materially. Right. And, um, so this was one of those moments when, when you think about it, you're like, well, yes, of course that had to be so. Right. And of course, Mary, in her time, she, she knew about the prophecies of the Messiah. You know, they're looking for the Messiah. And here she has already made the prayer to be the handmaid of the Lord. And lo and behold, you know, the angel comes. So, uh, when she does utter her fiat, she is accepting in advance for herself and all of us the sufferings of Jesus, which redemption would involve. So, um, I mean, she didn't go into this like she doesn't know what's going on.
1: Right, she did, as you say. She knew um, uh, the history. She knew the literature. She understood um, what was to transpire. And, and her response, yes, I am the handmaid of the Lord, um, was both her Uh, spiritual adoption, if you will, uh, uh, of all of us, but it was the uh, the, the, the part that I talked about earlier that we need to model. You know, all of us are called, in exactly the same way that Mary was, to be Christ-bearers, right? To take the seed of Christ in the form of the Spirit and to give birth to that. How do we give birth to it in our daily life in exactly the same way our Blessed Mother did? And so when we talk about Mary as model, we mean here and reflection on uh, the Annunciation is a great way to come to an understanding. What we're going to offer you, obviously, is a sort of intellectual picture and imagery and so forth. But to really understand this, to interiorize uh, this teaching and, and depth of uh, mystery, we have to pray. We have to pray and reflect on this a particular uh, mystery within the, the, the rosary, the joyful mysteries. But what it's sharing, I guess, what it's offering is the very same invitation that was given to our Blessed Mother. And our response is nothing short of, yes, I am the handmaid of the Lord. I accept that the seed of Christ will be planted in me and I want to give birth to that right. through my life. Uh, and the and,
0: grace to do that is given in advance of our response. Very just important. Like, Talk just, about that. Well, Father LaGrange, he put, he pointed that out because he was talking about although Mary responds with her fiat, just the grace for her to make that decision was provided in advance. Because, you know, God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows how everything's going to turn out. And so he uh, provides the grace knowing, you know, in her free will, she can choose yes or no, but knowing in the abundance of grace and the perfection of her soul and the union that she has with God, you know, that, yes, she does say yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, in fact, Father Lagrange goes on to say, um, the church fathers, this is quoting Father Lagrange now, might well have argued that our salvation was dependent on Mary's yes. In fact, you'll hear that argument on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, he says, we must recognize that in this event, God is the first cause, while Mary is the second cause. God imparted, uh, shared, uh, offered the grace that allowed Mary to respond in the way she did. And we know then that God does the same for us. God doesn't say, I leave before you these two options, now you must choose. No, He gives us the grace to choose. He gives us the grace to respond. God is always the first cause of our salvation. He's always the first cause of the work of redemption. He gives us the grace. We must accept it. Right. We must, in fact, respond to be participants. Uh, but He gives us even that. What Father LaGrange means by this is that although Mary did respond with her fiat, as Francis said, even the grace to make that decision was provided as a gift. And we know, of course, uh, as a consequence, she was filled with that grace, right? And that's going to come up again later. And
0: illuminated, you know, by her faith. Um, it was illuminated so that her understanding was enriched. And so therefore, she's starting to understand how this is all playing out. And then, of course, she goes to present the Lord Jesus in the temple. And here's all the the prophecies that Simeon is playing. And she's pondering these things in her heart, just like we ponder the events of our life. You know, well, what's going on? We don't we don't know where we're headed, um, but we know th- that we have choices in front of us. And so if we start stop to ponder, where is the Lord in this? What is His will for me in this moment? And that's a grace, the grace of each moment, which Our Lady obtains from us from the Lord. And, um, I, I just think, you know, she, if we study her life, if we try to get inside her mind and her heart and not just, you know, like read it like a story or, you know, just recite it, you know, so often, you know, you talk about the mysteries of the rosary and you just mention it and you go on, but you know, we're supposed to ponder. So we want to get into it and try to get some understanding. You know, how does, how does her mind tick? Um, what, what makes her, uh, choose the way she chose? Um, what motivates her? And, and that, so those are keys for us to know how to
1: and, m- choose. And we can ask her, right, Francis? This isn't a question of a sort of intellectual uh, discernment and analysis. I mean, we've done some research, Francis, to get ready for a discussion and conversation here today, but um, this isn't a consequence of study, right? Right. We know that in the interior life, the greatest teacher is life. It is the experiences that we come up against throughout the course of our life. Mary didn't have the benefit of the literature that even we have uh, to understand what her relationship with her Lord might be. Of course, she had the Lord, but uh, in fairness, we don't find find the answers to our most difficult and compelling questions about the interior life in books we find them in life and we find them in prayer
0: and Um, you know she probably didn't even think of herself as you know the second eve you know and and jesus as the new adam you know that's all the theology that comes afterward and then enriches everything but you know I, i i would doubt that you know she's sitting there thinking that You know, she's redoing um, what Eve messed up on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to talk just briefly before we take a break about the role that Mary does play. We said we'd touch on it. We'll come back to it after the break. Father Legrange states that Mary is not the perfective cause of salvation or redemption. In other words, she does not herself perfect us. We know this. Yes. Uh, But rather she is the dispositive cause, meaning she disposes us uh, for the work that must be done in us. She does this first by modeling the very behavior that we're expected to follow, Francis said that, and then by assisting us to prepare ourselves through prayer, through fasting, through acts of virtue. Penance, all of which our mo- our mother has called on us in different um, uh, manifestations of herself uh, to do, and a host of other acts that will help strengthen us for this work, so Mary is not uh, not to confuse this; she is not the perfective cause that 's Jesus. That's the father. She is the dispositive cause, meaning she disposes her children for the work that must be done within them. She does this by modeling that very behavior and then by assisting us in that process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think that's a good place to break, Mark, and then we'll come back with more.
1: <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with Carmelite Conversations in just a moment.
2: Teach us wisdom, teach us love.
0: to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you're currently listening to is a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations.
1: Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. We're having a a very interesting conversation today, Francis, on the role of the Blessed Mother in our interior life. And... uh, Most especially for us in Carmel, who have such a great devotion to the Blessed Mother, uh, we think this is a very important uh, topic uh, for us to understand because we need to work with the Blessed Mother. We need to allow her uh, to do her work uh, in us, to dispose us to the work that the Lord might uh, yet need to do in us. And we need, I think, and this is what we're uh, discussing today, to understand a little bit about the history of this, how it's been um, developed. The understanding has been developed throughout the history of the church and the tradition and communicated by the church fathers. So we're providing a little bit of theological grounding in Mary's role as mother, um, as co-redemptrix as uh, participating in the redemptive work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then we'll talk um, I think in a later program specifically how she works with us individually but uh, we'll even touch a little bit upon that today
0: all right but, so I had a question for you um, in what sense is Mary our mother
1: well uh, again according to the literature uh, Eve, of course, is our mother in the natural sense.
0: Right, because um, it's from Adam and Eve that all humanity
1: Right, comes. so our material existence, our, our uh, um, human person, um, traces itself, of course, to Eve. Mary is our mother uh, rather than in the spiritual sense and through adoption, for by her union with Jesus the Redeemer, and I'm reading, of course, from Father Lagrange's book now, Uh, With her union with Jesus, the Redeemer, she has communicated to us the supernatural life of grace. Now, we know that she, uh, of course, consented. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit more. She consented um, uh, to uh, the request uh, to be the mother of our Savior. And in so doing, then, uh, she participates first through that act and through the act of the cross which we'll talk about later through that act in his redemptive work and we'll talk also about this idea of mary full of grace we touched on it francis when we said that even the grace for her response her consent was a gift was given to her but beyond that mary full of grace is able to support and supply us um in so many ways Uh, along this journey. But it's important that we understand she is our mother in the spiritual sense, and she is our mother by virtue of adoption, as we are adopted by the Father, right?
0: Right, and so I'm thinking of uh, spiritual maternity maternity because, um, you know, she birthed, you know, Jesus, which is grace, you know, and so the, the grace of Jesus um, would not be ours without her participation. Right. And then also when John, of course, is giving Mary by Jesus um, at the foot of the cross and, and the Lord says, here's your mother, that sense of spiritual adoption as well. And the beginning of the church. So in that sense uh, of the spiritual motherhood, but you know, this, um, this divine adoption produces this sanctifying grace in the soul of the just. And this is how then we participate in divine life and This is the germ of our eternal life going to heaven. So, um, we, we want this because this makes us pleasing in God's sight. And this, um, enables us to be that, the child of God, um, to be able to look at our Father, you know, and want to see Him face to face.
1: And St. John says, um, speaking of, uh um, This divine adoption, he says, he speaks of this in his prologue when he describes those who believe in the Son of God, made man, as uh, those who are born not of blood, we talked about this, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so this divine adoption by Mary's consent at the Annunciation, which we touched on, uh, makes us adopted, divine adopted, sons of God in the spirit. Uh, and it uh, makes us uh, able then to receive the germ of eternal life. Uh, and, of course, uh, begins the work of redemption. For and us.
0: then, of course, then at the foot of the cross, when she takes us all on and, you know, she is our mother, you know, we John represents all of us, you know, saying um, we will take mother. Mary as our mother, and that she will will take us as hers, and so she intercedes for each and every one of us in a particular way, not just as a you know blob of humanity <laughs> or the church, but for each soul in particular. I just ah, I love that we have a personal God.
1: <laughs> it's an important point too, I think, to to reemphasize this idea of her motherhood and when did it begin? You said it earlier. It's not. At the birth, but rather it's at her consent. Uh, Again, reading from the text that we've been referring to, the different texts we've quoted, indicate that Mary became our mother by consenting freely to be the mother of the Savior, the author of grace and of our spiritual regeneration. She is the author of grace, and she's called the mother of grace, because in giving Mary his son, God the Father, from whom all good things descend, gave her all the Graces
0: yeah well God being the author of grace and her giving birth to, to Jesus author of grace mm-hmm. yes yes that and, and to just ponder that title mother of Grace um, that is so beautiful you know uh, you know we often think of, of Jesus as the head and the rest of us as the body of Christ well you know Mary is often con- considered the neck <laughs> the one that goes between the head and the body and the conduit also the aqueduct of the grace. That that goes from Christ the Head to all the members. So um, it, it's it's her role as mother to nourish us, isn't it? And here is in a very beautiful sense uh, she nourish, nourishes us with that seed of divine life through the birth of Christ.
1: And then we talked about her role as model, and even Saint Augustine says uh, she forms the elect. One must be marked with Mary's seal and reproduce her characteristics in their own person, not her physical characteristics, her spiritual characteristics, we must uh, allow uh, Mary's response to God to infuse itself in the very way that we respond to God. Uh, We must then ask her to assist us in our efforts to follow her on this difficult journey. In this way, Francis, I think Mary truly becomes the mediator for us with God the Father.
0: And if you think about it, if if we try to do this on our own without Mary, it's like... um This is what the author was saying. He says, What a difference there is between a soul formed in Jesus by the method of those who, like sculptors, rely on their art and industry. So, you know, their own gifts, their Mm -hmm. own talents. And as opposed to a soul which, relying on nothing of itself, freed from all their attachments and submissive in all things, Mm -hmm. just like the Blessed Mother, They throw themselves into Mary's hands, and there they are pliable. They are like clay being formed and, you know, being shaped by the action of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, you have a tendency to see people who who try to think that they don't need the Blessed Mother, you know, and they want to do it on their own, but, you know, they're missing out on this beautiful help.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a careful balance here, isn't there, between... The idea of, and again, we've talked about it, some of the terminology that gets thrown around and oftentimes unfortunately confused of Mary as co-redemptrix and and there have even been abuses of devotion to her such that people may view their devotion to Mary as uh, uh, superior to their devotion to Christ and their dependence on Christ. Of course, that's not what the church teaches. But at the same time, conversely, we need to recognize that uh, Mary is co-redemptrix and we need to turn to her in much the same way that we do turn to Christ. Now, we're going to talk about merit and and the nature of uh, Mary's intercession. But I want to just touch on this point, Um, the office of mediator uh, we know belongs fully to Jesus Christ. Mediator, meaning uh, uh, the one who mediates for our redemption. Uh, But St. Thomas Aquinas says there is no reason there cannot be other secondary mediators between God and man who cooperate and uniting them in a ministerial and dispositive manner. That's that word again, dispositive.
0: Which means Mary, disposed.
1: Mary disposes us. She prepares us. She guides us. She helps us. How does she do this? We've said it a few times. She first models the behavior she wants us to follow. And how do we see that behavior? We see it by reflecting on her life in the rosary. We see it by the circumstances that the gospels uh, revealed to us she was exposed to and how she responded to those. And in those very responses, she's modeling the behavior that we are uh, called upon ourselves uh, to demonstrate. How does she uh, uh, do it beyond that? Through her mediation, through her intercession. And
0: And mothers always want the best for their children, right? I mean, when you think about it, uh, say you have a mother and she has two children. One of them is very easy to form. You know, they do what what you ask them. They hear your suggestions, and they're very flexible. And the other one is stubborn and hard-hearted. And, you know, you love them both the same. There's no doubt about the love. But one is responding more favorably to the graces, so we'll, we'll gain more because they're you know constantly open. So. It's just an example how important it is for us to be open to God's plan of redemption through Jesus with the mediation of the Blessed Mother there. And, um, you know, she is there to assist us just as every mother wants to help and in the details of our life.
1: Yeah, that's very important. You know, I want to share, as I think I have, uh, Francis, in a previous conversation that we've had on this subject, you know, when I began sort of... Uh, um redefining my journey towards the lord later uh in, in my life and began to wonder you know who i could turn to i certainly having been raised in the catholic tradition knew the importance of the saints um and i spent a lot of time developing uh a relationship and devotions for example to saint joseph it made sense i'm a, a father and i have a work life and so on and so forth and that just seemed natural to me uh, to saint michael the warrior uh, uh, to other saints uh, not all male but but many of them and then you know sort of got exposed to this idea of the call to devotion to the blessed mother and i thought well okay yeah i'll incorporate that too that seems to make sense and only as uh, my Spiritual walk, especially in Carmel, has sort of, uh, you know, matured and developed over the years. Have I come to understand the importance of this devotion to the Blessed Mother? And all of that goes along with it. Our. a consecration to her, uh, our wearing of the scapula, her shield that protects us, and we've done programs on the scapula. So we won't revisit that. The importance of the rosary. All of these things um, help us then to understand this role of mediatrix that the Mother plays, both her consent her modeling behavior for us, and then her intervention in our daily lives in such a powerful way. I don't know, and I want to speak maybe specifically to the men who might be listening to us today. Uh, I don't know how you can uh, hope to advance uh, in any meaningful way in the spiritual journey without at least coming to understand the role that the Blessed Mother plays and allow yourself uh, to be... Um, Uh, sort of guided and directed by her. She is, without doubt, at this stage of my life, my spiritual journey, uh, the number one uh, source of strength, of consolation, uh, she's the one I turn to in the middle of the night when I wake up, uh, God. as we all do uh, on occasion. Um, the the Blessed Mother and I have, uh, I rather, have begun the work of developing relationship with her. And I should point out, I was born in the month of May, so I feel sort of a special... Uh, <laughs> Predilection? Uh, <kinship.
2: laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> uh, maybe there's something to that.
0: Of course. And, um, you know, my husband and I had this conversation before coming here tonight about how some people, you know, are... They, they don't want to deal with Mary. They, yep. you know, they want to pray right to God. But, you know, they have no problem going to their, uh, church and asking the pastor to pray for them or their, yeah. uh, you know, the people there at the church with them to pray with them. Or, or, you know, even if you go to a work setting, you have no problem of asking a co-worker or maybe somebody you know that's in a place where, you know, you're having trouble with some project and this person has an expertise in them and you kind of know this person. And so you go to them them and ask them for help and, you know, they help you. We have no problem asking people for help in our work lives and, yeah. and in our hobbies or whatever. You know, you go take lessons to learn how to swing that golf club better or whatever. But, you know, I, I think what, what a big, Ah, uh, oh, they're missing out on so much by setting aside the Blessed Mother. I mean, we're not saying she's replacing Jesus. We always know that right. Jesus is the, the first cause. Yes, yeah, the first right. cause. But that doesn't mean that we can't have helpmates. And of course, the most perfect, the most perfect human that god formed is is the blessed mother because he did not want jesus to have a mother that had any faults (laughs) yeah
1: you know i used to say to myself and i still of course pray to saint joseph but i used to say saint joseph will understand he had to go to work every day he had to raise a child he had a spouse and he had the trials and the tribulations of financial concerns and all the rest of it so i'd say oh joseph will understand so i'll go to joseph go to joseph that's a good thing but but As I began to develop this relationship with the Blessed Mother, it was revealed to me, yes, Joseph may know all of the trials and the tribulations, but the Blessed Mother has the ear of the Father. Don't forget that. Remember when you were a child, if you wanted something from your father? I don't know about uh, the experience of our listeners, but, Francis, I suspect yours was much like my own. In fact, I think you've shared that it was. If I wanted something from my father... I went to my mother. <laughs> and I would let my mother intercede on my behalf. If it was something yeah. I really wanted, I didn't necessarily go and ask my father. I would ask my mother uh, because I knew that she had my father's heart uh, as our Blessed Mother has our, our uh, Heavenly Father's heart. And And we know that she will always intercede on our behalf.
0: Well, and then there's also this spiritual principle to remember that, you know, If if you were going to work, say, and there were two people in that workplace that could help you, but one was the co-vice president and the other one was just a, you know, lower down on the pole, you know, which one would you go to to get the most help and the most influence and, you know, the biggest ear to the boss? Yeah. Of course, you'd go to the higher up. So when you think about it, who was more perfect than Mary? Who loved Jesus more than Mary? Who suffered at the foot of the cross? more than Mary after Jesus, you know, it was Mary. So the principle is that the more perfect has the more pull, basically. (laughs) I mean, I don't have the technical jargon there, but uh, but that's the idea. (laughs) I
1: think we get exactly that point, and it's well said. You know, her mediation, you said this, her mediation is not founded exclusively on her participation in divine maternity, which we talked about, her consent, her fiat, but also on her participation in Christ's redemptive work by her uniting herself with the sacrifice on the cross. Yes. That's what makes it so powerful. Mary wasn't just there for the joyful experience of the birth, right? As tough as the the travels and so on and so forth where uh, birth is a joyful experience and she was certainly there and she certainly uh, consented and and, uh, participated but more importantly she was there for the redemptive work in uniting herself with his sacrifice on the cross and this is where uh, she draws merit now we had a brief discussion about merit uh, before we came um, uh, on the air and this is where it gets a little more theological but i'm going to let you explain this
0: Explain the merit? Uh-oh, where's my pages? Okay. All right. Well, there are three kinds of merit, and, and merit in general means a right to a reward, mm-hmm. okay, because we have a God of justice, right. and, and so there is also a supernatural merit, which presupposes habitual grace and charity, and, and that's a right to a supernatural reward. So, supernatural merit, supernatural reward. All right. Now... The kinds of merit, the first kind being the act of charity of God right. uh, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit of, of the divine persons. Christ's right? merit, yes, right? Yes, right. And so that's the highest kind, and, and that's the Trinity, all yeah. right?
1: And that's called perfecta de conigno. That's We don't need to go into the Latin, I'm glad you said <laughs> that because
0: I was going to butcher it. That's all
1: right. That's all right. But this is very simple, really. It's simply that. In justice, Christ's um, uh, efforts, contribution, his sacrifice, merits the full reward. What is the full reward? It is the redemption of humanity. So Christ's act was sufficient in and of itself to to merit the redemption of humanity. He's the only one that could merit that. But his uh, merit is perfecta de conigno. Now... Our individual merit is something less. So it's simply de conigno, meaning that we don't merit our full redemption. We don't merit our redemption uh, at all. We would always fall short. We can merit and we can acquire grace through our Acts, willful acts, uh, mortification, charity, the practice of the virtues and so forth. But it's imperfect, so it doesn't merit all of it. But, but it, Mary But
0: it's by a person that's in the state of grace though.
1: In a state of grace, that's absolutely. Important, yeah. You know. But Mary now has a third uh, which we also share and and that is called I'll let you explain it, Francis, but it is called De Congruo. De congruo. And this is a partial merit. Uh, for us, if we intercede for another person. Right. right. So it, ours individually is partial, obviously, because we're not perfect. If we intercede for another person, it's partial. But with Mary, it gets reversed. And now it's complete again. You want to explain that?
0: No. Okay. I <laughs> <What'd> you do? <laughs>
1: okay. Because of her participation in Christ's redemptive work, her merit, like Christ's, is perfect perfect in the sense that it is complete, but it's only complete through Christ's redemptive work, right? right? So because she's associated with it, her uh, intercession for us is made perfect, and so this uh, is why we call Mary uh, co-redemptrix and the... A dispenser of all graces, right? right? The dispenser of all graces, because all grace is merited through Christ's sacrifice, and Mary shares in participation with that uh, de congruo, but in a complete way.
0: And that's because of of the rights of friendship and the state of grace, which right. she has the highest Perfection. union right. with Christ and the highest um, state of grace. So there you have it. And then, of course, there's there is actually one more, and that would be the of uh, kind of merit um, in the improper sense of the term and that is when there is a person in the state of mortal sin who prays to God under the impulse of grace of mm-hmm. an actual grace and, and receives God's mercy. So it, it's not based on their friendship. Yeah
1: with not him. and not based on justice, but right. based strictly on mercy. Mercy. Right. And
0: of course we know that the blessed mother's in there interceding for that. Right. So um, but anyway so Mary Merits for us um, in in a very special way that no one, no no other human, could ever do. (laughs)
1: Exactly right. So to your point, why would we go to? Not that we shouldn't pray to Saint Joseph and Saint Michael and uh, uh, whoever your favorite saint is, but we should always keep Mary as part of that
0: prayer. Oh, absolutely. That that is so important. Um, And you know, she's. She's meriting for us both in that vertical um, across, you know, the board, but also in that horizontal, you know, uh, not... Uh, for us and, and th- through us and, and it's the with him in him through him, um. Oh well,
1: constantly it's, interceding for us, <laughs> right?
0: I'm pondering and going uh, off on a tangent that's here. All right.
1: <laughs> well, I want to do uh, one last thing before we break, and that is this um, idea that we talked about. So, how do we engage the Blessed Mother? We've talked about her uh, consenting. Uh, We've talked about her participation in the redemptive work, and we've talked about her modeling behaviors that we should model and her ability to intercede for us and to assist us. And, of course, the most explicit way for us to participate in that is prayer right? We yes. should pray with Mary. We should ask for her intercession. We should ask for her guidance. We should ask her to help us. We can ask her to, you know, sort of remove the obstacles in our life. We should be clear that Mary's number one objective like that of her son uh, is to bring us along the spiritual journey. And we know some of that um, uh, roadway may include obstacles and trials and tribulations and suffering. We accept that mm-hmm. and we model Mary's behavior uh, when we experience it just as she did. And the best the best way to expose ourselves to an understanding, as Francis said earlier in the day, or in the conversation, let's not just sort of intellectualize this. Let's try to get into her mind. Let's try to get into her heart. Yes. Let's live this experience. And we can all find these experiences in our life. And the best way, I think, one of the best ways to reflect on that is in the Seven Sorrows of Mary. Yes. Now, this is a special rosary. You can meditate on uh, the experiences of the Blessed Mother as she lives out her to participate in Christ's redemptive work through these seven mysteries called the seven sorrows of Mary. I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar. Yeah,
0: and the Franciscans also came along with the seven <coughs> joys. Right. So if you want to balance that up, you can do that. A- but,
1: absolutely. But these yeah.
0: devotions, you know, they they do um, help us to have more of an intimate relationship for Mary, but they're also very instructive to us, I think. Yes. As we ponder them, we, we are getting formed by just thinking through them and you know also you said uh, another way is the consecration um, yes. and there are many different kinds of consecrations to Mary out there but that certainly is one but but w- you were saying about the seven sorrows. I- yeah,
1: I, I Actually I want to capture your point on consecration. We should talk uh, in a future conversation about the various forms of consecration and, and what uh, um, uh, practices there are, what, what constitutes the consecration and, and I'm going to suggest that maybe we we revisit that in a future program but just quickly going over these seven sorrows if you're not familiar of course you can get online uh and just look at the seven sorrows of mary any uh a good catholic bookstore will have literature on this as well as the rosary uh, that's associated with it but just quickly they are the prophecy of simeon um and i won't uh, cite the bible references in the interest of time here Uh, mary and joseph's flight into egypt with the child jesus the loss of the child jesus in the temple mary meeting jesus on the way to calvary jesus's death on the cross mary receiving the body of jesus in her arms and the body of Jesus. Placed in the tomb. Now, each of these, we have a, a little reflection that we could share, Francis, but in fairness, in the interest of time, we won't be able to do that. But let me just capture these three. We can approach these in three ways, at least three ways, by reflecting on the Blessed Mother and how she lived through each of these experiences. That's one way. We can see ourselves as the main actor in the various sufferings uh, that we may be experiencing in our own lives and associate those with these seven uh, sorrows of Mary. And we can see the role of the Blessed Mother a third way, see the role of the Blessed Mother playing out and coming to our aid and helping us and as we rely on her intercession in each of these experiences. That's one way to use this rosary.
0: I think there's a day that they uh, used to focus on the seven sorrows of Mary. I think that was September the 15th. And, in fact, our closing prayer comes from um, what was the sequence for that day, September the 15th, when they were honoring the seven sorrows of the Virgin Mary. And it's really from a hymn uh, that we don't hear very much anymore, except during the Lenten period right now. It's the Stabat Mater, which is at the cross her station keeping. So I've pulled a couple of the stanzas out for our closing prayer, and then Mark can do our closing.
1: Course. Nice, nice segue. How
0: about that, <laughs> divinely provided for. <laughs> In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. O thou Mother, font of love, touch my spirit from above. Make my heart with thine accord. "'Make me feel as thou hast felt. "'Make my soul to glow and melt "'with the love of Christ our Lord. "'Be to me, O virgin, nigh, "'lest in flames I burn and die "'in his awful judgment day. "'Christ, when thou shalt call me hence, "'be thy mother my defense, "'be thy cross my victory.' While my body here decays, may my soul thy goodness praise, safe in paradise with thee. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well,
1: thank you again for listening to Carmelite Conversations. We've enjoyed sharing our love for the Blessed Mother and hope that we've encouraged you in some way to maybe deepen your relationship with her or continue in that path with her. Until we're with you again next week from Carmelite Conversations, God bless.
0: To Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations.